0: Vibrant. vibrant vibrant music teaching. Proven and practical tips, strategies, and ideas for music, music teachers. You're listening to the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I'm Nicola Canton, and today we're talking about making your music book budget stretch that little bit further. Hello, beautiful teachers. Welcome back. I hope you're enjoying the show if you've listened a few times. And if it is your first time, I hope you enjoy this first episode for you. Now, today we're talking about making your music book budget stretch. And this this podcast episode is inspired by an article which was written by Gemma. And Gemma is our community assistant inside Vibrant Music Teaching. So if you're a member, you definitely will have seen her around and about helping you with all sorts of things. And she's also a great writer. And she had this idea for this post and I thought it was fantastic for the blog. So Gemma's idea to make your music book budget stretch. And how many times am I going to stumble over those words (laughs) in this episode? But anyway, your music book budget Needs to stretch as far as you can make it. And Gemma has this great idea of going on a local tour of your books. So we're going to walk through how exactly you do that in this episode. And you can also find the written version on the blog, which is at colorfulkeys.ie slash blog or colorfulkeys.com if you want to jump straight to the blog. So step one is your first tour. And that is that you go on a tour of your own piano studio. So this isn't about reorganizing all your books. Don't go down that rabbit hole just yet, although that's also a fun project. It's about exploring what you already have, but you've forgotten about. Now, even if you're a brand new teacher, I stink there's often still quite a lot to explore because you have books from your own studies growing up in a lot of cases. I know I have a lot of random stuff that I did in my own piano lessons. But if you've been teaching for a while, then you definitely have a bunch of random stuff sitting around, unless you've moved in the meantime and had to do a clear out. So depending on the size of your library at home, you're going to need to set aside either an hour, an afternoon or maybe a weekend. And open each book. Yes, open each one. Look at the contents page and estimate the levels of pieces. Think about the students who may be suitable for those books. Now, I would add to Gemma's suggestions here that I would actually ignore the ones that you use all the time. We all have those books that are like go-tos that we use all the time and that we already know what's in them. We could practically rewrite them (laughs) if we had the time. But we have many other books that we are not that familiar with that we can't really remember what they're about. So that's where we need to open them up, take a look at what's inside, estimate the level and really imagine which student it could be given to. Whether it's a student of yours right now, or just an imaginary student that is still realistic. I think we need to be able to imagine who it goes to. If you're sitting there with a book of I don't know, Sati or something. And you can't think of anyone who could possibly want it, even though you love the pieces. Your students are all way too beginner for this and it'll be 10 years before they get to the level of the pieces. You know, we all have those books sitting around and if we want, them, want to play them ourselves, that is absolutely fine. But if we have something in our library because it's supposed to be for a student, then we really need to be able to picture an actual student that would really take lessons in our studio, not in a college, (laughs) who is going to use those books. So the next step in this tour of your own library is to make a catalogue of what you have so that you can not have to do this ever again. I think this is a bit sticky because... The problem with cataloging, loads of people have this tendency, myself included to some extent, although I've seen it worse in others. Many of us have this inclination to love the big project of organizing all these books and cataloging them in a spreadsheet. And if that sounds like hell to you, fine. That's, you're not in this group. But many of us are. We love that project. What we don't all love is continuing to add the new books we buy later, continuing to keep that spreadsheet up to date as we give books away or sell them off or whatever we're doing with them. That is often the harder part. So I would say don't create a catalogue in a spreadsheet unless you are actually going to stick with it. This has to be your true catalogue of everything that you keep up to date forever. So you're going to need to make a plan of updating it you know once a week once a month in a particular time of year when you tend to order books and give them out whenever it is because otherwise it's just a lovely (laughs) procrastinating task for your um, afternoon when you could be doing things that are much more fun or much more useful and the final step of this first tour is to listen to or play through all of the books you have As much as possible. So this especially goes for books where you bought it just for one piece. I have several of those that because I provide all my books for my students and I will have had students doing advanced grades uh, like grade six, seven, eight and seniors that we call the senior cycle in the Irish system. And for those, we get these big lists of pieces and I let my students choose whatever they want from them um, because I really want them to have as much ownership as possible that does mean that sometimes they pick something more obscure that is not included in the printed exam books that our local centre gives out and is not in any of the anthologies and things that I have on hand. So I have a few that are like, uh, one I'm thinking of right now is this slightly obscure Debussy piece. Gorgeous piece. But the only place I could find it was in this enormous volume. We haven't used the rest of it. So I barely know what's inside the rest of it. And because it was for a grade eight exam, I was perfectly happy to buy that volume for the student to use for the exam, but she didn't need to keep it forever. So I have this huge volume, barely know what's inside it. So I think it's a great point that if you did buy those books for just one piece or for some particular reason, and you haven't played through the whole thing, Take the time to do it, at least excerpts of it, at least chunks here or there. The next tour or the next step is the different ways that you can leverage your music book collection. And here Gemma is including books that your student owns. So I think this is a great point. You may have a student who has books who they've only learnt one or two pieces And then you got excited by something else together, and so they never revisited the rest of that book. If that's the case, we need to pick those out and find a way to use them. If they've gone way beyond that level at this stage, they can use them for sight reading. But we need to find some way to use them, to make them useful, because they're full of beautiful pieces of music that we need to do justice to, I guess. Besides just using them for sight reading, Gemma suggests um, that your student, if your student doesn't like a few pieces, you can use them for score studies, for chord analysis, for ear training, for theory assignment. You can get really creative with them. Now, this is honestly not a huge problem in my studio because I'm pretty careful about this now. But it used to be a problem. I recognize it. (laughs) This is something that I resolved um, quite a few years ago at this stage by... Making sure that any book I give my student, they really are enthusiastic about at least half the pieces in the book. That I can really see them loving at least half. Because otherwise it is just not worth it. And I get to make those calls because I am providing all the books as part of tuition. So it gives me a lot more flexibility in that area. If you are curious about that system, you can look up. We have a podcast episode about it. I call it all inclusive piano fees. We also have it on the blog if you're interested in looking there. So because I'm doing that, it means that books are better value for our whole studio. And if I start using, you know, resources in terms of sheet music that are worse value sort of more expensive then that is going to mean we need to put up tuition so I try to do parents a favor and keep it really good value and that includes a lot of books I don't go in for single sheet music purchases in a lot of cases the only really time I do that is when a student wants to learn a more current pop piece and then In those cases, even if there is a book that includes that piece, it's normally not as good value because they normally don't like the rest of the pieces in the book. So that's the time I will use sheet music. But otherwise, if a student is starting a book, it's because they are in it because it's a method book or because they love at least 50%, normally like 80% of the pieces in the book. I don't mind them skipping a couple, but in general, they will learn almost everything in every book they do. Now, having said that, I'm also not afraid to take a book back off a student. So if we start it and find that they don't actually like the pieces that much, even though they seem to at first when we discussed it, or they're too easy or too hard, I will just swap it out. I have no qualms about doing that. So that's why the books that they end up keeping are the ones that they learn a lot from. Now, the next option is within your own books, really. And that is about giving away books and selling them. So if you have found books, identified books in your stash that you're not interested in playing, and you can't realistically see giving to a student anytime soon, then you need to get rid of them. They are just cluttering up your space. They're not doing any good. So if you think you can sell them on, you can go into Facebook groups, which have like piano teachers buy, sell, trade. If you look that up on Facebook, you'll normally find one for your local area. So you can look there, you can sell them on listing sites, or... You can gift them to someone or give them away to charity. That is much better than them sitting collecting dust on your shelf. Okay, so our third stage is to incorporate more affordable options into our music book strategy, I guess. So you've made the best use of the books you already have. And I think that will generally, if you start to keep track of them better, you'll generally make better choices in the future and not buy as much slightly wasteful... (laughs) Um, purchases in general. However, there's also many more affordable options that you can incorporate to bring costs down further. So first of all, there's I'm slip, as I call it in my head. I don't think anyone ever says it that way out loud. Do you know when you do that? I know this is a tangent, but you know when you do that, like um, if you've read Harry Potter, people saying Hermione um, for Hermione. And even in one of the books, she kind of phonetically spells it out. But yeah, in my head, it's IMSLP, but I-M-S-L-P is what I mean. I-M-S-L-P, which stands for International Music Score Library Project. So this is a free website where they ha- they list out of copyright music. Now, you do need to be careful that the piece you're using and choosing is in the public domain where you are, because copyright does change based on country so look up your the the relevant copyright but yeah if it's say over 70 years and definitely if it's over 100 years since the composer's death then it will usually be on IMSLP, IMSLP and you can find it there and download it for free. Now sometimes it's definitely worth paying for a good edition of things I'm not saying this eliminates any need to buy proper scores like printed books of the classical composers or anything like that but sometimes you just need some form of addition and so you don't need to go and buy an expensive edition also we spoke about the buy sell trade groups before and if you have those in your area they're a good place to shop as well local music teachers may be selling things off giving stuff away there may be music schools in your area that burn through things that you could use then as studio copies or as sight reading material. There's many places where you can get music books secondhand and it helps them live on that a little bit further. And then there's also discounts. So we have several discounts available inside Vibrant Music Teaching for members such as Piano Safari, which is many members' favorite method, my, myself included. We have a discount for Piano Safari materials. We have dis- discount for Rote Repertoire by Samantha Coates and a few others. You can also take advantage of programs like the Sheet Music Plus one and the Music Notes one. If you find you do buy a lot of digital sheets then check out those memberships because you can save a bit of money by doing that if you are a frequent user of them. So those are your three stages to the tour. I hope that gives you a sense of how you can make your music book budget stretch a bit further and how to make the most of the money you have available and the books you have available to you. If you have more tips, we would love to hear them in the comment section underneath this article. So go to the blog colorfulkeys.com and you'll find Gemma's article right there. Your one thing this week is to take one of these tips, just one stage of these, and implement it in your studio. Whether that's going on a tour of the books you have now, making a catalogue or just picking up one book that you've never played all the way through and going ahead and doing that and seeing if it's a good fit for your studio. Take some action and see if you can make your books go further. That's it for this week, beautiful teachers. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope to see you around Instagram and in the comments on the blog in the meantime, and otherwise I will see you back here next week. If you ever get overwhelmed by all the different teacher training options out there, Vibrant Music Teaching is the place for you. We nickname our members Flamingos because they're masters of balancing all of the things and making it all work in a way that isn't overwhelming. We have tools to help you do that inside Vibrant Music Teaching. So go to vmt.ninja and sign up today.